<laughs> hey, thanks so much. Um, I'm already crying, so that's great. <laughs> We're off to a good start. Um, <laughs> man, these last few years have been exhausting, like Maisie said. That exhaustion's been carrying on for three years now. I think it's actually three years to this day since I started coming to renovation. Sometime in the middle of February, I know that me and Holly came, and it's been exhausting. It's been exhausting. At the beginning of 2020, um, Holly was four months pregnant, and she received an email saying that her job was going to shut down the very next day. There was no prior warning to this. There was no uh, prior knowledge or anything like that. In one email, our life went from healthy stability and rhythm and healthy income to now us wondering how we were going to pay our bills. All that health and stability started crumbling down around us. And all we could do was watch it. We had no control over it. And in in order for us to pay those bills, we decided that I would take on a fourth job so that we could make sure that we paid the rent. We felt scared. Me and Holly felt beat down. We felt stressed. We felt worried. We felt angry. We didn't know what God was doing. Questions ran through our mind. Why this God? Why now? And we felt the weight and the burden on our shoulders. Keep weighing us down and weighing us down. And we ultimately felt tired and weary and exhausted. Some of you have been feeling this way as well. Some of you are stressed. You're burdened. You're tired and weary. You're exhausted. You're scared. COVID is, living, let, COVID is leaving you in a place of worry and fear because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, next week, next month, or next year. And you're physically exhausted. For some of you, this might not just be physical, but also spiritual. You might feel disconnected from God. You might be tired and weary from trying to um, work your way into God's favor to earn your salvation by your works. You might wrestle with your assurance. Does God really love me? Am I really saved? You might feel um, desperate and alone. Is God even there? Is he next to me? You feel disconnected from him. You feel spiritually empty. Or you might just be completely ignorant of God and his ways and his, and his things, but you still feel that empty feeling inside your soul. And the question is, what hope do we have? What hope do, do, do us have, do, do we have to find rest? And the real question is, is what hope does Jesus provide for the tired and the weary and the exhausted soul. Would you turn with me to Matthew 11, verses 25 through 30? 
And Jesus says this, At that time Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's two questions we've been asking ourselves in this series in Matthew. The first question is, who is Jesus? What is Jesus' identity? Who does he reveal himself to be? And the second thing is, how are we to respond to who Jesus reveals himself to be and what his identity is? Yet in this passage, Jesus is showing us who the Father is. Jesus is showing us who the Father is. He starts off this passage, this beautiful passage, in a prayer. And he says, the Father is the Lord of heaven and earth. In one simple title, Jesus is revealing to us who the Father is and what his very nature is. Jesus is showing us that he is the creator of all things, he's the sustainer of all things, and he is the Lord of all things. And not only that, but his sovereignty, his control, his power, his authority is over all things. It's over all things. Nothing can escape the sovereignty and the power and the, and the, and the authority of God the Father. Right. He's Lord of heaven. He's Lord of earth. And there's nothing in between that does not, does not step outside of that authority, that sovereignty, that control. Good. It's all-encompassing. Jesus is showing us that he's Lord of all. Lord of all. And that reality should bring us tremendous hope for those of us who are tired and weary. We could leave today. I could wrap up the sermon and say, okay, let's go home, because that is such a tremendous hope for us. Knowing that about God should bring you tremendous peace. Because for those of you who are in the midst of chaos of your life, who feel like it's one wrong day after one wrong day, after one bad decision, after another bad decision, after another situation that you have no control of, you can rest assured and know that God is in control. That God is in control of the chaos. That God is there in the chaos. That's tremendous hope for us today. Tremendous hope for us today. That should bring you comfort and peace and joy to know that God is there. He's in control when all seems completely out of control when all seems completely out of control. And it's also good to know because God is present with us. I know some of you might make fun of me for saying that all the time when I service lead, that God is near. He's not a far off God. He's present and he's active. He's right here. But it's true. He's, it's true. In our chaos, he's not far away. He's not far off. He's in our lives. He's investing in every moment of our life. He's there. He's present. He's personal. And you can rest assured in the control and the power and the sovereignty that he has over the, over the chaos of your life. So Jesus is not only revealing who the Father is, but he's also revealing what the Father is doing in this world, what the work he's doing. And again, that should bring us tremendous hope. Because again, God, you know, some of us might struggle with the idea, is God even working in this world? Is God even doing anything in this world? But Jesus is saying, yes, he is. 
He is. He's doing stuff in the world. He's working. He's, he's active. Again, he's personal. He's there. He's present in this world and working. And that work that, that, that the father's doing is he's revealing to the wise, or revealing to the children and concealing from the wise. And the things that, and the, things that the father is revealing to those people, revealing to the children, concealing from the wise, those things is, the things that he's revealing is Jesus' identity as the Messiah, who he is, what he, says, what he says he is. He's the one that's come to save us. And he's also revealing and concealing the, the reality of the kingdom of God. Now, that might, not, that might raise a question in your mind. Why does God re- reveal this to little children? Why doesn't he reveal this to the wise and understanding? You know, that's a reasonable question because the wise and understanding in our culture are people to res- be respected. They're the people to be looked up to. They're the people that we seek after for their wisdom. But the wise and understanding in this passage, I mean, the wise and understanding in this passage and the children in this passage are not, Jesus is not referring to the mature and immature. Jesus is not referring to the educated and the uneducated. The wise in this passage are the people that say, I got this. They're the people that say, I can do it on my own. I don't need anyone else. I don't need anyone else. I can make my own path. I can forge my own way. My wisdom and my knowledge is enough to save me. They're they're the ones that say, I'm self-sufficient. I rely only on myself and myself alone. They're the ones that say, I don't need any any new teaching. I don't need any new knowledge. I don't want to learn from anybody else. I got this. And the children in this passage are the ones that say, we don't got this. We don't have this all together. We have no knowledge or ability to save ourselves. We cannot do it by ourselves. They are the ones that say, Father, we need you. Father, we need you. Teach us. Show us the way. They are the ones that, that are fully and wholly dependent upon God. Because they know they can't do it on their own. They can't do it on their own. And this work that God is doing, this work that God is doing in revealing and concealing, Jesus says that it is, it is the Father's gracious will. I'm not making that up. It's right here in the text. It says, and Father, for such was your gracious will. Now, what does that mean? Why is it the Father's gracious will to reveal to some and to conceal from others? And, you know, the question that probably pops in your head immediately is like, why doesn't God reveal to all? And the first thing that I think we should remember when we ask ourselves that question is that God has every right to reveal to some and conceal from others. He has every right to choose who he reveals things to and to who he conceals things from. He owes us nothing. He owes us nothing. And the, the very question, the very assumption that comes with that question is that, you know, when we ask, why doesn't God reveal to all? The assumption is that, is that some of us are innocent or that we're all innocent. So therefore we deserve, we deserve this revelation from God to show us the way. Brothers and sisters, that's not true. That's not true. 
None of us are good. All of us have rebelled. All of us have sinned. All of us has all of us have rejected against rejected God. All of us have denied God. We do not deserve to know the way. Do not think of yourselves as more highly than you ought. You do not deserve to know the way. You do not deserve to know the way. But God, in His gracious and loving will, shows the way to some. Shows the way to some. And isn't that not an amazing miracle? The miracle is that that God doesn't reveal to all, but that He even reveals to any of us. Because He reveals the path to people who are lost, people who are rebellious against Him, people who are sinful against Him, people that have rejected Him, that have turned their back on Him, that that have said, God, I do not need you. And yet God says, here's the way. Here's the way. It's His grace. It's His grace that God shows the way to little children. Shows the way to people who say, Father, we need you. Show us the way. Now this is how Jesus ends this prayer. And out of this out of, this pair, out of this prayer, Jesus turns to revealing himself to us. So let's read verses, uh, verse 27 with me. Verse 27 says this, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the, Father except, no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. What Jesus is saying here is that what Jesus is revealing to us who he is, Jesus is revealing to us that he is the son of the, God, son of the Father. He's not a son of the Father. He is the son of the Father. He's the only son of the Father. And as such, as the son of the Father, he has a unique relationship with the Father. I think some of us, you know, we, we probably like to compare and put into human terms like this relationship between God and the Father, or between Jesus and the Father, you know, but we can't do that. Our father-son relationships are, our relationships in general, are just imperfect, they're messy, they're chaotic, they're lacking things. But the relationship between God and Jesus is perfect. It's lacking nothing. It's holistic. It's holistic. It's perfect. It's not chaotic. It's perfect. It's perfect. And we can see this play out in the passage. You know, if we go back to verse 25, if we, you know, read that prayer again, Jesus says three things. He says three things that Jesus automatically knows. He knows that the Father's Lord of heaven and earth. He knows what the Father's doing in the work and doing in the world and revealing and concealing to the wise and revealing to the children. And he knows what the Father's will is, that this work is God's gracious will. No one taught Jesus that. No one came up to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, guess what the Father's will is? It's to reveal to some and conceal to others. Hey, Jesus, guess what, who the Father is? He's the Lord of heaven and earth. Jesus never received this teaching from anyone. He didn't even receive it from the Father. He just knows. He knows the Father. He knows what the Father, who the Father is, what the Father is doing, and he perfectly knows that. He perfectly knows that. There's nothing secret about the Father from Jesus. Jesus knows every nuance, every bit of character, every bit of working that the Father is doing. There's nothing hidden from Jesus about the Father. Nothing hidden from Jesus about the Father. And because 
He perfectly knows the Father. And because of that unique relationship and that unique knowledge that Jesus has, Jesus says that he is clearly revealing the Father. Out of that relationship, out of that knowledge, Jesus is revealing the Father. And because of that uniqueness, that unique relationship, that unique knowledge, Jesus is the only one qualified to reveal the Father to us. Jesus is the only one qualified to reveal the Father to us because no one knows the Father like Jesus. No one knows the Father like Jesus. And no one's in more perfect unison in relationship with the Father than Jesus. He's the only one that can reveal the Father to us. And it goes one step further because in this passage it says all things have been handed over to Jesus by the Father. You know, what, is, you know, what does that mean? You know, what, are, what are the things that, are, that Jesus is receiving from the Father? Well, simply put, that Jesus is receiving the authority or the Father is authorizing Jesus to be the one who reveals the Father to the world and be the one to reveal the knowledge necessary for salvation to the world. Jesus is the one. Jesus is taking part in that revealing and concealing work. He reveals the Father to some. He conceals it from others. He reveals the, 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 the knowledge necessary for salvation to some, and he conceals it from others. God is authorizing Jesus to do that. So what does that mean for us? Simply put, we cannot know the Father apart from Jesus. We cannot know the Father apart from Jesus. We have no hope in ever knowing or finding the Father apart from Jesus. You can work, you can strive, you can toil to build up enough good works to God. It will never, ever, ever work. Jesus is the only way we can know the Father. He's our only hope of knowing the Father. Don't ever think that you can build up enough good works to be in the presence of God without Jesus. You will tire yourself. You will exhaust yourself. And you will have gone nowhere. You will have gone nowhere. So what are we to do with this revelation of who Jesus is, of who the Father is, Lord of heaven and earth, revealing and concealing, you know, uh, and, and also that, that revealing and concealing work is his gracious will, and also the revelation of Jesus as the only Son of the Father, as Jesus taking part in the work of the Father, being the one who is authorized to reveal the Father to us, being the one who is, um, has been revealed the Father to us and also revealed salvation to us. What are we to do with that knowledge? How are we to respond to that? And because we can't ignore it anymore. We can't ignore it. Those of you who sit in this room watching on the live stream, you can't ignore that revelation. It's been given to you. Through this, through this word, through, through this passage, Jesus has shown us those things. You, you have to respond. The question is, how should we respond? And thankfully, Jesus graciously shows us how we are to respond. Would you read with me verses 28 through 30? Verse 28 says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
How are we to respond to what's just been revealed to us? Jesus' answer is simple. Come to me. Come to me. If you are tired, if you are weary, if you are exhausted, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. That's how Jesus wants us to respond. That is Jesus' desire. That is Jesus' desire. It's beautiful. It's simplistic. It's loving. It's caring. It's gracious. And it's everything that we need. It's everything that we need. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Now this call that Jesus is giving here in this passage, come to me, it's a general call. It's for everyone. It's for every man. It's for every woman. It's for every child. It's for all who are weary. It's for all who are weary. And the thing about a general call is that we as Christians, as brothers and sisters, we have a responsibility to, to we have a responsibility in calling others to Jesus. In calling others to Jesus. We can take part in this call in, in calling others um, to Jesus. That's why, we, that's why we talk about evangelism so much in MCs, in, much, in missional communities. That's why we, we, we take time to talk about the people in our circles. How can we be praying for those people? How can we come alongside one another to partner with one another so that we can share the gospel with them, so that we can share that call of Christ? Come to me. That's why we ask that question every single, every single week. How would you explain this to a non-believer? And I can kind of give you the answer for this week. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. There you go. You're ahead on your MC prep. That one's for free, as they like to say. But yeah, that's why we, that's why we take talking about evangelism and MCs so seriously. is because this is a responsibility for the church, too, to call others to Jesus. And also... This is, why we, we plant, this is why we plant churches. This is why we're going to Baldwinsville. Because we want to see churches across all of this county, every corner of this county, saying the same thing, calling people to the same thing. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. And we want to do that so every man, woman, and child across this county, across this nation, across this world has repeated opportunity to hear that call of Christ without coming or going anywhere. Brothers and sisters, that's not just some fancy thing that we've made up as a church. It's not some, it's not some uh, fancy church growth strategy that we've, that we've adopted. It's the gospel. It's the reason why we do these things. It's the reason why we do these things. It's the reason why that's the vision and mission of this church. It's because you want to see every man, woman, and child Hear that call of, call of Christ. Come to me. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Now for some of you who've probably grown up in the church and you know, been in church for a while, come to Jesus, you've probably heard that a thousand times. And some of us might be a little hazy on what that, still, on what that actually means. We might have some kind of idea, but it might be still a little foggy for us. Well, thankfully, Jesus tells us what it means to come to him. Just like he graciously calls us, he graciously shows us what it means to come to him. And so the first thing that Jesus says that we need to do to come to him is take his yoke upon us. To take his yoke upon us. By a show of hands, who here knows what a yoke is? 
wow, that was a lot more than I expected, to be honest. Because <laughs> every time I, when I was preparing, I was like, I think every time I say yolk, it sounds like egg yolk. <laughs> so I just assumed everyone's going to think I was talking about an egg. Um, but yeah, so thankfully a lot of people know what it is. For those, who, those of you who don't know what it is, a yoke is a, a tool that a farmer uses to attach a, cattle, um, a, attach a cattle to a plow so that they can pull it. You know, that might sound like a weird, this might sound like a weird command from Jesus, like why is Jesus calling us cattle and taking his, our yoke upon him and all these things? But it was actually a metaphor that was used a lot to describe to describe service to a particular person or a particular people. So what Jesus is saying here is to live our lives in service to him. To live our lives in service to him. To take his yoke upon us is to take our lives under his service. To take our lives under his service. It's to deny all else. To follow him. To obey him over all else. Over all else. To make him, you can say it simply, to make him Lord of your life. To make him the one deciding, the one and only Lord of your life. And Jesus is also calling you here today to throw off all other yokes, to leave all other yokes behind. Those ones that cause you exhaustion and tired and weariness. Jesus wants you to throw those yokes off and run to him and put on his yoke. Because Jesus is yoke is light. It's easy. It's not burdensome like those other yokes. It's easy and it's light. One of the commentators I read, um, I'm blanking on his name right now, but he said that Jesus' yoke is light and right. It's light and right. It's the light yoke. It's the right yoke. So take Christ's yoke upon you today. Follow Jesus. Obey Jesus. Trust in Jesus with all that you are for all that he's revealed himself to be. Follow him. Take his yoke upon you today. It is easy and it is light. The second thing that Jesus says is learn from me. Learn from me. And this is simple. Jesus is saying become, Christ, become his disciple. Become Christ's disciple. Read the Bible. Follow his teaching. Follow his words. Go back and read the first 10 chapters of Matthew. Read the Beatitudes again. Read, um, read the Sermon on the Mount again. And read this, this book from cover to cover. Absorb it. Learn from it. Learn Jesus' words. Become his disciple. Become his student. Do not look to extra teachers. Do not look to people who claim to have a new revelation. Seek to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn from him alone. Seek to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn from him alone. Make him your soul teacher. So often we, so often we go to the spice cabinet of this world and we pull out all those ingredients you know, and we start dashing a little bit of this and dashing a little bit of that. And we do this in hopes to make our own Christianity our own Christian. Well, we don't want some, we want a little bit of Jesus here, a little bit of Jesus here, and we're going to toss a little bit of this here, toss a little bit of this here. If you know anything about cooking, that's a recipe for disaster. You can ask Holly, I've over-seasoned food, and she spit it out. <laughs> so it's, you know, if you put too much seasoning in something, it's terrible. It's awful. 
It's a recipe for disaster. So what Jesus is telling us here is to make him our sole teacher. Don't add a little bit of Jesus and add a little bit of something else. Add a little bit of Jesus, add a little bit of prosperity gospel. Don't do that. They don't mix. They don't mix. It's going to taste awful. It's going to taste awful. So if you want to know salvation and freedom, learn from Jesus. Learn from Jesus. If you want to know what it means to know the Father, learn from Jesus. Learn from Jesus. If you want to know what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven and what it means to live on this earth, learn from Jesus. Learn from Jesus. Live your life on his teaching alone. Live your life on his teaching alone. Apply his teaching to every area of your life. I think another hang-up here that we struggle with is that we like to put a little bit of Jesus' application in some parts of our life and put other applications in other parts of our life. Jesus' teaching should be all-encompassing. It should touch every area of our life. Just as God is Lord of heaven and earth, Jesus' teaching needs to be in all of our life. All, every part of our life. Nothing should be able to escape the teaching of Jesus in our lives. We shouldn't allow it to. We shouldn't allow it to. Because if you want to learn really what it means to live, to know the Father, to be saved, you need to learn from Jesus. And that knowledge needs to go into every nook and cranny of your life. So apply his teaching to every part of your life, be instructed by him. But the question is that we, you know, another question that was probably raised in our mind is like, why should we, why should we do this for Jesus? Why should we put his yoke upon us? Why should we follow him? Why should we learn from him? And the questions and the answer is simple because of all that he promises. If we put his yoke upon us, it's easy, it's light, it's rest, it's rest. Because he promises rest. He promises rest. But what basis does Jesus have to promise rest? You know, if I came up to Bob Williams after the service today and said, hey, Bob, I promise you rest, Bob would probably be like, what in the world are you talking about? How can you, what basis do you have to say that I can give you rest? Jesus has all the basis to give us rest because Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. He's the Son of the Father. It's re- that that promise that he's giving to us is revealing his, revealing his divinity. Because no, nobody, nobody else but the Lord can actually promise rest. And Jesus is promising us rest. So Jesus is Lord. He's the Son of the Father. He's Lord. And you know, in, in, a, in a world that's increasingly restless and increasing, increasingly trying to find rest in, um, in false saviors, Jesus provides provides us rest in him alone. And and he's not just some it's not just some like Sunday nap kind of rest. It's not just some Sunday nap kind of rest where we kind of, you know, we kick back on Sunday after church and we, you know, lay on the couch and fall asleep for a couple hours and then we get up and wake up and we're tired all over again. The rest that Jesus provides is Sabbath rest. Meaning it's perfect rest. It's perfect rest. 
Jesus is literally, in saying that Jesus is the Sabbath rest, is saying that Jesus is the one, that he is the fulfillment of all the promises of God. All the promises of God. All the way back to the garden. Jesus is the one to fulfill those things. And he's the one that the Israelites have been looking for in this passage. They've been the, he's the one that they've been sh- striving after and longing for. Please give us rest. Jesus is that rest. Jesus is that rest. He's that Sabbath rest. He's that perfect rest. He's that all-encompassing rest. It's not just some, it's not some, just some temporary physical rest. It's soul rest. It's soul rest. You can strive and toil all you want to provide rest for yourself in physical ways. You can binge on Netflix. You can gorge on copious amounts of food. Whatever it may be, whatever your vice is to provide you rest, it will never rest your soul. It will never rest your soul. Only Jesus, only Jesus can provide rest for your soul. Only Jesus can provide that rest. And it's not even just some temporary rest. Yeah, Jesus' rest is for here, it's for now, it's for this moment, but it's also for eternity. It's a rest for the here and now, and it's for eternity. We will find rest for our souls for the rest of our lives if we come to Jesus. If you want to know what heaven's like, it's like, it's rest, it's peace, it's comfort. It's knowing that no sin, no brokenness, no disease, no sadness, no enemies are coming upon you. You have rest. Isn't that something we all crave? Isn't that something we all long for? Desire? It's okay to say that. It's okay to say that my soul longs for rest. My soul longs for comfort. My soul longs for peace. It's okay. You can admit it. You're among family, brothers and sisters here. We all feel that. We all feel that kind of desire in our souls. So come to Jesus and find that perfect Sabbath rest in Him. Find that perfect rest in Him. Receive the rest He promises. Receive the rest He promises. Parents of of young children, as you live with the yoke, live in the weariness of carrying the yoke of expectations and comparison, hear the promise of Christ. This is something me and Holly have struggled with a lot since we've come, become parents. You know, are we like these people? Are we raising our kids like these people? You know, oh wow, their kids are so great, our kids aren't. You know, like, this is back and forth, this back and forth. Not to say our kids aren't great, they're awesome, but you know what I'm saying. In our minds, like, it you know, comes up. You know, that's something we've wrestled with. Even right now, as we're considering uh, schools and stuff, it's like, some, some parents are sending their kids to private school. Some, kids are, or some parents are sending their kids to public school, homeschooling, all that stuff. Are like, are we making the right decision? It's just back and forth, back and forth. It's exhausting. <laughs> it's exhausting to compare yourself to other people. Not even just if you're a parent, but just in general. To compare yourself to somebody else just drains you. Because you'll never be in the same situ- situation of life they're in. You'll never be them. You'll never have the same... Um, uh, abilities or gifts of them or whatever it may be. 
It's exhausting. If you carry that yoke today, throw that off. Hear the promises of Christ. You don't have to compare yourself to other people. You can know and trust and hope in who Jesus says you are and what Jesus has called you to do. Find rest in Him. Throw that yoke off. Hear His promises. Hear His promises. Grandparents and those who are living in the golden years, you wrestle and, 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 and are weary with the yoke of purposelessness. Hear the promise of Christ. First of all, I want to say, if you feel purposeless, if you're someone who's towards the end of your life and you feel purposeless, know that it is a lie from the pit of hell. That's a lie. And I want you to take a look around you, those of you who are older. Take a look around. Count how many young people are here. And know this. We are all, we are all, we would all love to get to know you, to learn from you, and be discipled by you. That's your purpose. That's what you have to do towards the end of your life. Impart wisdom to us young guys and women. Show us what it means to follow Christ in the midst of struggle and turmoil and and conflict. Show us what it means to love one another for 50-some years. Me and Holly have only been married for six. We have so much to learn, so much to grow in, and we need you guys to do that. You are not purposeless. You have purpose. Jesus gives you purpose. You have purpose in this church. So don't believe that. Throw that yoke off of you and run to Jesus and embrace his yoke and find rest in him. High school students, though you wrestle with the yoke of acceptance. With acceptance. Try to find or hear the promise of Christ. You try to find acceptance in, in your family, your friends, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your sports, your, 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 your studies, whatever it may be. Know this, you can find acceptance in Christ. True acceptance, true love. You can find that in Christ. If you, if you struggle with that today, know this, it's like throwing money down a well to find acceptance in other people. It's like just trying this bottomless well that you're trying to fill up with money. You will never do it. That's something I've struggled with all my life. And it carries on into your, into your career age. Instead of finding, trying to find acceptance in my, uh, in my family and friends, now I'm trying to find acceptance in my boss. And it's just throwing money down the well. I will never be satisfied. You will never be satisfied if you try to find acceptance in other people. Hear the promise of Christ. Throw off that yoke. Come to Him. Find rest in Him. Find satisfaction in Him. Know that you are accepted, truly accepted, truly loved by Christ. Those young in the faith, you, those young in the faith, you bear the yoke of past sins. You bear the, you bear the yoke of past sins. Hear the promise of Christ. Hear the promise of Christ. You might struggle with that, with that shame, with that guilt of your past sins. And that yoke will wear you down over and over and over again. But I want to remind you of this. Christ has taken that yoke already. Amen. He's taken that guilt. 
He's taken that shame. He's taken those sins upon Himself. You no longer have to bear that yoke. You no longer have to bear that yoke. You can find rest and promise and assurance that you are saved and set free from that bondage of sin. Take that yoke off upon you and take Christ's yoke upon you. Rest in Him. Rest in Him. You might be 20-something and agnostic and you wrestle with the, the yoke of uncertainty and hopelessness. Hear the promises of Christ. First of all, if you don't know if there's a God, if you don't think there's evidence enough for God, Jesus explains it right here in the passage. There's a God. What evidence could we know? Right here. How can we know there's a God? Right here. If you have any doubt or uncertainty, turn to Jesus. He will give you the evidence that there's a God, there's a creator, there's a sustainer, there's a God that can be known and that He, can be, and that he is active in your life and in the world. And I'm sure, that, I'm sure that that yoke brings so much anxiety. Like, I can't imagine living in the, in the, in the, the reality of thinking that there's nothing after this life. It just brings so much weight to your heart, so much exhaustion to your heart. Take that yoke off. Come to Christ. Rest in Him. Rest in Him. And know that there is rest in eternity. Know that there's rest in eternity. There's relationship with Him, perfect relationship with Him, perfect, perfect relationship with the Father. So receive, or actually, when I, like a sidebar caveat, as I was thinking about this passage and thinking about these yokes that we carry, I think God kind of showed me, and if I could be honest for, for a minute, that I've, I've been carrying a yoke this week. I've been tired. I've been exhausted. I've been trying to carry the yoke of this sermon. Been trying to bear it all on my shoulders. And it's hard. It's so hard. I'm not trying to say this for you to have pity on me. I'm just trying to tell you what I've been through this week. I've experienced that exhaustion. You can ask my mom and Holly on Friday night. I was falling asleep in my chair. But as I was as I was thinking about that, that that restlessness that I had, the 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 um the exhaustion that I had, God reminded me, yeah, you're physically exhausted, but your soul is excited. Because I needed to hear these promises. I needed to hear these promises. I needed to be reminded of these promises. That no matter how tired I get physically, my soul has rest. My soul has rest. And because if your soul has rest, your body can have rest. True rest and be prepared for the things ahead. So that's just a little sidebar. Just wanted to say, I've experienced that too this week. I've experienced that exhaustion and that weariness. So receive the grace of Christ and His promises to you. Come to Jesus, for He alone can provide you rest for your souls. Come to Jesus, for He alone can provide rest for your souls. And not only come to Jesus, but also share, not only come to Jesus for these promises, but also share those promises with others. Share those promises with everyone here today. You know, find somebody after service. If you know that somebody's having a hard time, been struggling, been tired, been weary, come to them and say, Let's pray this passage together. Let's be reminded of these promises together. Let's rest in Jesus together. Disciple others in this passage. Disciple other believers here, other brothers and sisters here in this passage. And also share, this, share these promises of rest with those who are far from God. 
They need Jesus and all the blessings that he provides. They, you need to tell them, come to Jesus, for he's the only way they can find rest for their souls. He's the only way they can find rest for their souls. If you know someone, again, that's, that is tired and weary, that's outside of the church, that is not a believer, go to them and say, hey, let me show you what God's been teaching me in the Word. Show them this passage. Explain to them who God is, who Jesus is, and what promises he provides. Share these promises with others. Share these promises with others. Don't keep them to yourself. As I, and as I worked those four jobs, God began to show Holly and I that the only way that we could survive this was by coming to Jesus. That we needed to come to Jesus. And no matter how tired we were, how exhausted we were, we needed to come to Jesus. That when we were stressed, we needed to come to Jesus. That when we were angry, we needed to come to Jesus. That when we were scared, we needed to come to Jesus. That when we were, had no idea what God was doing, we needed to come to Jesus. We needed to come to Jesus. And the beauty, the beauty of that is, the more we came to Jesus, the more we came to Jesus, the more we found comfort and peace. And of course, we found rest for our tired and weary souls. We found rest. We found rest. So come to Christ today, for He alone is the Son of the Father. He alone is the Son of the Father, and He alone can provide rest for your tired, for your weary, for your exhausted soul. For when you are stressed and worn out, come to Jesus. When you are wrestling with the, with the works that you are trying to earn your salvation with, come to Jesus when you are helpless and hopeless and broken, come to Jesus. If you are overcome by your temptation and sin, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. For He alone is the Son of the Father. And He alone can provide rest for your tired and weary soul. I want to say it one more time. Come to Jesus. For He alone is the Son of the Father, and He alone can provide rest for your tired and weary soul. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord, we want to thank You for the promises of rest in this passage, God. Lord, help us to know You and believe in You and to place our faith, hope, and trust in you, and to place and to put Christ's yoke upon our lives, God. Help us to serve him as Lord and no one else, and help us to find rest, true rest in him. Lord, thank you for the promises that you've given us through Christ, and Lord, help us to live in light of those promises today, and Lord, help us, and Lord, shape us and mold us into the image of your Son, God. In Jesus' name, amen.